Johnny Cage, Kenobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya, Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao Kahn, Fung, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Makabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quan, Shi, Shin, Oxo, Rina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Dorai, Cho, Dramin, Fosu's now, Tenkenshi, Mavado, Mocap, Moloch, Katara, Ashra, Dairo, Darius, Havoc, Hotaru, Kira, Cobra, Onaga, Shijinko, Gigante, Vondavora, Cassie, Cage, Aaron, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Kongjin, Takeda, Tribe, Dwarf, Cetrion, Scarlet, Gareth, Collector, Chronica, Welcome to Mortal Podcast, I'm your host Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Kombat lore from the perspective of a single character today, from the King cast, uh, an oft-requested guest who's been promised for a long time and has finally arrived on the show, Mr. Scott Wampler. Scott, how are you? I'm living the dream, thank you so much for having me here, and uh, yeah, I'm surprised I pronounce to hear that, right? that Is I... it Wampler, is it Wampler? I only no, see it's it Wampler. It's is Wampler. it Wampler? Okay. Got it, got it, got it. I have not actually heard Wamplay before. I thought I had heard every possible. Well, that makes sense. Variation yeah. on this shit. Um, <laughs> my my favorite. I, I I had a friend in military school that called me Obi Wamps Kenobi, which uh, oh, that's I was fun. fond. Of, I, mean, I was fond of that one. Um, as a as a band, I too though. have gotten Obi Wan derivative nicknames throughout my life. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm very pleased to hear off requested guest. That's nice. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm yeah, not oft, a... oft requested at a at a, a party or like you have going as on you, here. So as you may imagine, there's quite a bit of crossover betwixt the uh, fans of inane Mortal Kombat lore and <laughs> the worlds of uh, Twitter. I don't know what are your what are your domains? Yeah, t- Twitter, uh, Nine Inch Nails fandom subreddit. Um, it's Stephen probably, King. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And as you'll see, I did curate the character that I selected for you. But you told uh, me this. There's, yes. there's quite a bit of crossover in your interests, I feel, and this character's story, uh, as well as what I told you, which is that part of me picking this character for you is that there's the most uh, grotesque, smutty art of this character. Well, on, the way online. you described it was the horniest, and I got to yeah. tell you, in an effort for me to get a jump on Mm -hmm. whatever the topic was. I Googled uh, horniest Mortal Kombat character. Okay. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I discovered a lot of upsetting fan art, but no no definitive information on what uh, character this might be. It wasn't so much the degree of horniness that this character um, portends. It's more... Portends uh, that <laughs> it's more that you can find if someone from what I could gather in yes. my albeit thin research on this subject. Yes, I get the impression that when someone's like, "Ooh, who's a big guy I could draw this sexy character boning?" They land on Onaga, the Dragon King, who is the character we will be discussing today on the Ooh, show. Very exciting. And I think it's because of his his thickness. He's got tube-like arms and legs. I can't really think of a better way to describe it. Um, as well as big old bat wings that could just wrap you up. 
Well, uh, hold on. Can I, mean, I look up a picture of him real quick? Yeah, I would. I would love it if you would. Uh, what, you put on your glasses you, for this. I did. I, I put on my. Put I just on my, want the folks at home to know that I watched you. Daddy ask put on his peepers and then and then put on your glasses. Let me just take a monitor. look at the, the giant horny <laughs> man. Uh, what is? Uh, how do you spell his name? Oh, it's O N A G, as in grandmother A Onaga, the Dragon King. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a little looksy daisy here. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. this guy? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he is now literally nude. He Onaga. has horn. Let me look yeah. at you. Let me look. Onaga the Dragon Open King. Open a private nude. tab. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. Do that was here. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you're. Oh, yikes. You, that one now has. Now you see what he's packing. Yeah. Oh. He, uh-huh. Open to all three ports of entry. Onaga. Probably a lot of Lee May in these images because she's a character <laughs> who canonically, um, in one of her endings, becomes his bride. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. see he's had many adventures. He has, and you're going to find out about all of them today. Okay, I'm I'm deeply excited. Usually, usually the googling happens midway through, but I'm happy to jump in so that you can really have a well, vision in your mind. Yeah, I need that. Of little, just how I need that much visual, heat, baby. heat this guy's packing. Um, <laughs> as we as we step through his life story, um, but before we do, Scott, yes, uh, I I would like to know well, what's your personal history with Mortal Kombat? Are you are you a gamer, Scott? A, have you gamed? Uh, I have been known to dabble. I, I I'm mm-hmm. a gamer. Um, uh, I'm not a big fighting game guy. I'm terrible at sure. them. And inevitably, what happens is I just start mashing buttons, and you know, sometimes I'll win and get real cocky about it. You know, right. even though I've just won an accident and just talk mm-hmm. mad shit and then I'll get annihilated during the next round. And then I'm like, well, the controller's sure. not working. You know, it's it's no <laughs> it's it's not a lot of fun for me. Um, yeah, but yeah, I got it. Got but, it. but Mortal Kombat uh, sticks out because there was an arcade next to a movie theater that um, my folks used to drop me off at when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was an only kid. And uh, the movie theater was basically a, a, a substitute for the babysitter sometimes right and so they would just drop me off at this movie theater for hours at a time and um there was an arcade right right around the corner from it um and i remember when that particular arcade got the first mortal Kombat, you know cabinet Mm -hmm. and that just being like the hottest shit in town or the hottest shit on the corner at preston park in plano texas circa 1991 or whatever it was you know (laughs) Uh, yeah, it was 92. It, 92. I was close. Um, uh, before that, it was the Ninja Turtles game. I remember was was mm-hmm. the big Turtles draw. in time. Yes. Uh, yep. But uh, obviously, I was captivated by it because of the grotesque violence. And yep. um, also kind of fascinated be, by it because I couldn't I wasn't good at fighting games on, the, on cabinets either. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I could only mm-hmm. just stand and watch as the older kids uh, beat each other into uh, smithereens uh, sure. on the screen. Full disclosure, I'm also terrible at fighting games, video mm-hmm. games in general. Similar story. It was a it was a roller skating rink for me. But yeah, Mortal Kombat 3 arcade cabinet gravitated towards it. Did you play yeah. them on? Have you kept up with the, the franchise on consoles at all? Very much so. They had really? gotten... Okay. Even well, though you're not so, good at it. So, well, here's the thing, and I, I my goal now is to is to get you on there. Uh, but uh, basically, 
are you uh did, did you at any point as a kid when you did get into mortal Kombat? i assume you saw the first movie oh yes I assume you saw the most recent movie. I, knowing you're a movie guy, I assume you've kept up with the, the film I, work of the Mortal Kombat. Canon. I loved it. Have you not seen my business cards? You have Mortal Kombat business cards? Scott Wampler, I have risen from hell to kill you. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was so <laughs> I was so enchanted by that line and the delivery. I it was a good line. Made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a delightful business card. Have you had the chance to give that out to anyone yet? Uh, no, uh, we are still in quarantine, more or less. I right. have not been out there uh, kissing hands and shaking babies uh, lately. Fair. But um, mm-hmm. I uh, Fantastic Fest is coming up, all vaxxed. So I imagine, yeah. uh, I imagine I'll have uh, an opportunity to pass out a few there. Yeah, good opportunity to throw some of those cards like a shuriken at people's heads. Yes, indeed. Great. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I guess yeah my question is like have you ever been drawn despite being bad at the games I mean you've more or less implied you haven't really kept up with playing them um, well here's the thing whenever a new one c- comes out the excitement around it is such that right. I will get uh, intrigued and think maybe mm-hmm. this is the one maybe this is the mm-hmm. one that finally gets me I'm kind of like this with Call of Duty too I don't like Call of Duty. I, I, I fuck with Battlefield, but not so much Call of Duty. Sure. Um, I just don't like the way it plays. Uh, but every time one of these like huge AAA games comes out, even if it's a, a part of a genre that I'm not, uh, you know, particularly strong at or interested in, I get caught up in the in the hype and I try to talk myself into liking it. Or you know, I get that. Like this so, could be. I could be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Well, I would say I've tr- I couldn't name what the titles are or where they're at, but I would say mm-hmm. I have at least downloaded or in a very limited fashion fucked with the last several Mortal Kombat okay. combat games, you know, just Got to it. see what they're up to. Just I'm, I just like keeping my eye on them. Just to check in, say how you guys doing? Sure. Yeah. Uh okay, well that's kind of my thing more so that like i'm not good at those games i do Mm -hmm. keep up with them for the story and they've made it easier and easier to do that despite being bad at the games yes so i would encourage you to check out maybe the story mode if you haven't of one of the more recent games because they really just make you fight the computer and you can set it all the way down to very easy so it's oh, really like watching really? a bunch of very good <laughs> cutscenes betwixt which you do some fighting. And uh, if you want, you can tell the game, let me destroy you. And the game's like, okay, that's fine. You just oh, want to see a, the horny, nice the horny dragon man do stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not necessarily so plowing I, yeah. anyone, but, but certainly kicking ass. I would say that I've gotten precisely good enough with each game to play through the like arcade ladder and see some stories mm. and play through the story modes. Once they started introducing those in the last like few games, are the, honestly, maybe the last like half of the franchise at this point. Well, let me ask you this. There's been like what? 10 games, 15 games, some, 11. some, okay. 12 ish. So maybe 14, 15. What is this just an ongoing soap opera then with For in 27 terms of the story? years? Yeah. Maybe 28 now. Yeah. And it comes mm-hmm. down to the struggle of power between the nether realm Right? Do I have that correct? Oh, oh, buddy, no, you no? don't. What is it? Well, What's the you know, other one sometimes called? there's a lot. Here's the thing: I'll give you the gist because I'm curious to see how it aligns with what you think. Okay. Before we before we do jump into it, 
a mm-hmm. prompt that I kind of like to give my guests every every episode of the show. So every every season of the show has like a, a theme that mm-hmm. presents itself uh, in all of the characters that are introduced that season. And so each season of Mortal Podcast, I'm kind of just going through the characters that were introduced in that numbered game. So this is season six, and I'm oh, talking about the characters that were introduced in Mortal Kombat Deception. Mm-hmm. Um, so given that the game was called Mortal Kombat Deception, something that I feel ties all of the characters I'm talking about this season together is the fact that they are all either deceivers or people who've been deceived. Uh, so I ask you, Scott, has there been a time in your life that you've been deceived? Oh, yes, certainly. Go on. Oh, um, single (laughs) one out. Uh, (laughs) um, Let's see. If you could just like your most gutting story of deception. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I mentioned this before, but I went to, I went to private school, a military school for high school. Right. Mm-hmm. And so around the, the friends that I made there for at least the first half of my twenties were the closest friends I had in my life. You know, we, we all went through some serious shit down there. So it was sort of, you know, the, the teenage equivalent of going to a very, very, very low key war. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, sure. you know, we had been in the trenches, quote unquote, together. Um, so real strong bonds formed down there. And there was a guy, and I won't say his last name, um, but his first name was Luis. And Luis was, uh, I think he was from Arizona. And uh, he was like a roommate of mine for a while. He was one of my good friends down there. And then once we all got out of school, like we would visit each other. And he came to visit me, um, you know, a couple summers after we got out of there. And <laughs> like it, it, my, what he had told me was he was a uh, a concert promoter guy for like a uh, a radio station or something. And so. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I talked to him, it was a new wild story about, you know, I was backstage with Stone Temple Pilots and this happened or I was, uh, you know, hanging out with Kid Rock and then this <laughs> happened, you know, like that kind of shit, you know, uh, probably some great Kid Rock story. Sure. Oh, all there. There's no such thing as a bad Kid Rock story. I, I submit to you, <laughs> but he would like he came down to visit. He stays with my girlfriend and I. Uh, we have a big party one night. He meets a a friend of ours, uh, another lady who he very quickly develops a crush on. They end up hooking up. Um, and so very quickly, he starts talking about, I'm, well, I'm going to move to Dallas. That's where we were living at the time. And he said that, mm. uh, you know, so he was going to investigate the r- local rock radio stations in the area, see if they had a job opening. Very quickly, he found one. And so there was a period where he was coming, he was traveling down to Dallas and staying at the place of this girl he had met and, had, you know, now fallen in love with uh, while sure. he was going to these uh, through a series of job interviews and they were looking for a place together and blah, 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 blah. Well, wow. this goes on for months and, you know, on top of years of having known the guy. And then one day, like, um, she calls me up this, the, the woman that he had been dating. And we come to find out that everything he has told us is a lie. Like from the t- top to bottom, he has uh, the money he claimed to have was all money. He was borrowing from his grandmother. He never had a job at a radio station, not in Arizona. He had never been Did interviewing for a job. No, 
that was the most, you know, for me, that was the hardest part of all. But yeah, there were it turned out this guy was just profusely lying and at great and elaborate length to us for a period of about a year, you know, and this is, you know, on top of everything else he'd ever told me when I was in school with him. So it was you talk oh, about wow. being like deceived. It, it, yeah, it was it was mm. my own little usual suspects ending, you know, that yeah. you can meet someone and they can you can become really good friends with them and they might be lying through their fucking teeth to you the whole time for no reason. Like you didn't have to do any of that. Huh? That's interesting. Cause you were also in such a specific situation with this guy where you were so closed off from his home life that he could have told you anything. Exactly. I assume this was a military school where you lived there. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it was the easiest possible place for him to do that. Wow. Hmm. It's the perfect crime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> and I never spoke to him again. He just ghosted everybody. <laughs> and like, you know, that Once was... Once he got busted, he was just like out. There was something... I, I, I don't remember the details. I was trying to remember as I was telling the story. But there was something where when she was dropping him off at the airport to go home one last time to like pack his shit or whatever. Mm-hmm something occurred in the car where she it suddenly dawned on her like none of this is real and then he did something mm. weird with his baggage in the car I, I forget what it was i wish i could remember but turned it all inside out and said she, this is good enough for me and walked out yeah. <laughs> i've gotcha uh yeah and um i'll never as long as i live forget that and it's probably one of How the many you? reasons i'm so misanthropic today you know i just I don't um uh, I don't warm up to people very easily and I'm fucking very standoffish. So uh so yeah, thanks Louise. It's a bad time that. to tell you I don't have a podcast and that I just wanted to steal seventeen minutes of your time. No, that's fine. It gets me out of work oh, okay. for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Man, what a saga. That's wild. Um I feel like everyone's come across one person like that in their lives. I've really? got at least I think so. I've got to at that least a level couple of yeah, yeah, because well, that's just I guess what you... a pathological liar is usually like. It's it's really just how long you're on the ride, right? And I think yeah, that yeah, probably yeah. you would not have been taken for a ride for that long if you weren't in such a specific circumstance with that guy. Right. It just was, you know, you were so cut off from his reality that you could only take whatever he said for face value. For, so once you left I am, that uh, world, it took I have, a period of calibration to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I have a magnificent bullshit detector, you know? Yeah. I just, I, I am very sharp when it comes to reading people and their vibes and all of that. Mm -hmm. This guy fooled me from top to bottom, day one. Uh, I blame it on the military school. Well, it's the circumstances, like you've already pointed out. Yeah. He was, he had <laughs> all the, he had all the right tools at his disposal to pull this off, but but you live in L.A. There's a lot of bullshit shitters in L.A., oh, right? Tons. Some I've famously. met some true maniacs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there goes your baby. Hello, baby. Yes. Yeah. She apparently just went and picked like a bunch of figs <laughs> for the listeners at home. That's Kirby adorable. Just walked by my wife uh, with with my baby strapped to her and they just picked a bunch of figs from our garden and dropped a full basket in front of me. Nice. That's the charming. That's the charming world that I live in <laughs> right now. It's kind of delightful. We're yeah. having a good time, you know, despite it all. Um, wild and out. Wild and out over here. Um, so, 
Man, Scott, that's a wild story. Although, yes, I will say like triggering in that. And I'm sure for many people listening, because I do feel like most people at some point in their lives come across a big time liar. And it's really just a question of like, how long were they in your life? And I feel like so many people uh, tell me stories or I tell them stories of like, hey, this one person I met who you're never going to believe and tell a saga. And for me, the craziest thing is at the end of it, I just so badly want to know what happened to these people next. What are they doing now? And there's well, never an answer. You're presu- never able to find out. No, you'll never know. But presumably <laughs> no. they've moved on to a new series of marks that they can then, you know, like yeah. take for whatever. Like he wasn't even getting anything out of us. You know, I guess he no. was getting laid, you know, but yeah. he could have done that anyway. It's, you know, it it's wasn't probably someone who at some point learned that in order to connect with people or be friends with them, you had to tell them what they wanted to hear. That there's something like transactional to those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's me being, I don't actually really know any medical information about pathological lying, but that's what I've gleaned uh, at me if I'm right or wrong, but also (laughs) please don't. Uh, (laughs) Your medical opinion. Genuinely wild story. Thank you for sharing it. A true story of of deception. Um, Today you're going to hear a story about a deception that lasted even longer. Uh, So you might feel pretty good about about, uh, the the amount of time that you were tricked when you hear about what happened to to Onaga and and a a little guy named Shujinko. We'll get to that in a second. Just for a little base of knowledge for you before we do jump into it, because you'd mentioned earlier the struggle between the nether realm, dot, dot, dot. Mm, The actual history of Mortal Kombat, just to very briefly kind of fill you in, um, at the dawn of time, um, there was there were two beings. There was the one being, a g- massive celestial entity, um, you know, in the Stephen King parlance, you know, like the turtle, um, mm-hmm. this kind of just just massive creature that could create the prototypical god being. Um, then there were this pantheon of gods called the elder gods that the one being presumably created and the elder gods were meant to kind of help the one being create time and space and these uh, that also includes other offshoots called titans and elementals but making the universe essentially that's what the elder gods job was Mm -hmm. um but they got sick of the fact that the one being sapped energy from them to live because they were technically created by the one being and mm. the fact that the one being just got to hang out while they had to do all the work. They were like, we're going to make reality. And then the one being gets to rule over everything. It's not cool. Right. So the elder gods made these special weapons called Kamidoku daggers. And they just hacked the one being into a bazillion pieces. What? Just sliced the one being up, cut them to ribbons. Yeah. Seems unfair. Seems cruel. Those. What is little... the one? Wait, I do have an interjection here. Yes. The one being, is he like a dude? Is it a lady? Is it a, a monster? Um, like what are we what are we dealing with? I would say probably the most fair to say a a you know, a genderless celestial being of pure energy capable of creation. Okay. Right on. Would be the the what I can glean the most likely until we learn more about like, oh, were there other one beings? It seems like the one being was one. Gotcha. So that's the the gist. The thing with Mortal Kombat is you you don't really ever like meet the one being because the pieces of the one being, each little tiny piece that was sliced off this dude, uh, became an entire reality, a dimension, or a realm, to use the word that they use in Mortal Kombat. So yes, 
Earth realm, the entire universe as we know it, um, all of the planets, all the galaxies, everything. Our whole dimension is one piece of the one being. The nether realm that you've seen in the Mortal Kombat movies is basically like what if hell was a dimension? It's one piece of the one being. Outworld, where the first Mortal Kombat movie, ta- a good chunk of it takes place, and where the second Mortal Kombat movie takes place, and where the most recent Mortal Kombat movie partially takes place, mm-hmm. um, is yet another piece of the one being, just another realm. So there are all these realms, and the Elder Gods were like, great, tell you what, we'll rule over these realms as life develops uh, in these places, and um, you know, we'll make these so this other pantheon of gods, a sub gods, they're just called gods. And we'll send one to each of these realms to kind of take care of it. And then we'll just hang out up here and, you know, do our elder God thing and just observe and rule. Uh, over time, the realms would eventually find out about each other, try to conquer each other, try to merge with each other to take over. Are they ever um, friendly with one another? Or is yes. fighting always the answer in this? No, mythology? there are there are realms. It's kind of like throughout time, there's always someone who has aspirations of uh, conquering the realms and merging them together and ruling over them. And in like a super heady way, that's the influence of the one being. Because we're all just parts of the one being then because we sprung up as life in the realms, which are just part of the one being. Like we're parasites, essentially living on within in the one being so it's like the influence of the one being wanting to pull themselves back together again working through these like you know genghis khan-esque people throughout time who just wanted to conquer and rule and merge all of the realms gotcha um and so to stop that from happening the elder gods created a, a foolproof system called the Mortal Kombat Fighting Tournament, uh, where they basically said... <laughs> where they basically said, if you, if you want to conquer another realm, you have to defeat that realm in 10 fighting tournaments in a row. Obviously. And, um, yeah, and so the story of the first Mortal Kombat game and the story of the first Mortal Kombat movie and the most recent Mortal Kombat movie is like, oh, Earthrealm has been defeated in like nine tournaments by outworld this other realm and if we lose this one we're getting merged baby so we can't lose um that's usually like the stakes um but onaga the dragon king in an interesting way is actually tied into the history of mortal kombat long before the tournaments even began and after they stopped because the stakes had raised and changed so this is a kind of unique piece of Mortal Kombat history that you'll be getting and that he's one of the most significant and least uh, like present characters in Mortal Kombat history. I understand. Very well. Some actually theorize that Onaga is the Mortal Kombat logo dragon. Um, others theorize that that is an Elder God because the few times that we see what the Elder Gods look like in their truest forms, they probably look like dragons. Um, so it's anyway. not like it, you know. You say elder gods. I'm I'm thinking Lovecraft, obviously. You know, no, yeah. But they have I'd say different... the one being is the more Lovecraftian entity. Which one? The, the one el- being. The one being, yeah. The in that, like, it's a 
you know, we're all like, you know, Texas is a part of America's part of earth is a part of the dimension that is like the one being's toenail and your brain and your will could be influenced by the one being. Cause you're just actually just a little piece of the one being. So that feels to me more like the Lovecraftian side of it. The elder Fair. gods are, are more like a Greek pantheon of gods. Gotcha. They're up there in heaven and they are, uh, overseeing all of the dimensions and making sure that the dimensions don't merge because the one being would come back and just beat the shit out of them. Yeah. I got to tell you, this is surprisingly elaborate. Yeah. And this isn't really like in the games all that much, um, but it's there. It's true. And it's the <laughs> yeah. backstory of Mortal Kombat. Right. It pops, it's actually the most present in, in this story because um, when life did start to evolve in the various realms, uh, one mm -hmm. of the first species that like evolved was dragons. And that's probably part of the influence of like the elder gods are kind of like dragons. Um, and so when life started to form, it was a little bit influenced by like, I guess what God looked like to them. So uh, dragons started to evolve. They were strong. They were powerful. They could work with magic. They were nearly as powerful as the gods that were on like our earthly plane, managing day-to-day -day existence and like protecting the realms. Mm -hmm. And they usually would work in concert with those gods to protect the realms. Um, in all likelihood, the realm the dragons were native to was Outworld, just looking at what information we do have for Mortal Kombat history. Yes. Um, but they eventually left Outworld and went to the other realms to help the other gods. There are these like twin dragons named Orin and Karo, who famously lived in this realm called Edenia, which is like a realm of hot wizards, where they helped... The, <laughs> where they. <laughs> Where they helped the god Argus, and they watched over specifically his hot wizards. Sons. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're all hot. They're all wizards. So there's no not a lot of evidence allowed. that there are non. Yeah, I have. Is there a is there a realm of like you know twos, like two wizards? You know what I'm saying? Like out of ten, I guess the probably the chaos realm because they flay their own skin a lot there. Yeah, that is generally an unattractive magic. It's yeah. an unattractive look. Mm-hmm. That would be nope. probably the the pugfugliest of the uh, of the realms. If I had to Roger guess. that. Also, my right. fave. Um, yeah. Well, it <laughs> so sounds interesting. Onaga, Whatever they got, that sounds like the Hellraiser area. Oh, the Chaos Realm. I yeah. almost, I almost took you to the Chaos Realm. The only reason I switched oh. it up to Onaga was the horniness factor and the fact that I had the opportunity to have a guest from uh, one of the competitors from Great British Bake Off, very sweet mm -hmm. man named Michael Chakraverty. And uh, it just seemed more fun to me to take him to the Chaos Realm because <laughs> he's the sweetest man uh, and had never even really heard of Mortal Kombat. So I really just cranked it up to like 18. <laughs> and we had a wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> and so you have not heard from him since. I haven't. Uh, no, I have. We chat, we chat from time to time. Sure, sure, um, sure, of course. Mm-hmm. It's a pity thing. He's like, man, that guy got <laughs> yeah. fucked up. This poor He's into kid. Some, some tragic <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> so Onaga was one of those original dragons. So he's one of the first beings that ever lived that wasn't a god being in the world of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And he decided to stay in Outworld because as other life started to develop in Outworld, uh, mostly like human looking beings, mm -hmm. he was like, well, shit, I'll just be a ruler here totally. uh, and it'll be great. So he very literally became a cruel emperor of Outworld, the first emperor that Outworld ever had. Um, 
which the title that they give to emperors in Outworld is Khan. So he would have probably gone by Onaga Khan, if not for the fact that he deemed himself the Dragon King Onaga. Was it because he was a dragon? Who was a king? King of the dragons? Not very clear. Probably not King of the Dragons. (laughs) It sounds like maybe he just wanted to throw a little razzle-dazzle on there, you know? Yeah, give him a little razzle-dazzle. You know, he's he's trying to make his own way in this area. He's he's trying to conquer it, so why not? Yeah, he he wanted to make a good first impression. Like, you can't really roll out and say, yo, my name's Onaga and I'm the president. It's it's easier if you're like, I'm Onaga the Dragon King, and thus I am, and people like King, and he's like, that's right, I'm the king now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was like, I'm the king. I'm the emperor of Outworld. Uh, where's the god who's assigned to protect Outworld? And this guy, Shao Kahn, who you might be familiar with because yes. he's very present. Yeah, he was like, I'm the god in charge of protecting Outworld. Um, and he's like, cool, so you'll be one of my advisors and I'll rule with an iron <laughs> fist. Um, and uh, I guess first things first, I can do a little bit of magic. I'm going to see if I can do uh, any like dark magics. So he starts studying different forms of magic, experimenting, and eventually becomes probably the first necromancer in Mortal Kombat lore. First of many. <laughs> that seems say. unlikely given all this yeah. realm talk. It seems like at least a few other ones would have a necromancer, but... I mean, what do well, I fucking know? It's. I think it has more to do with, like, first. He was there first, you know? He's one of the oldest and, and most ancient beings in Mortal Kombat. So I think he probably just, like, was early on the necromancy train. I gotcha. Are there necromancers yeah. now? More? Like, ne- like he was the day? first. Yeah, so yeah. does... Uh, okay. He was first. There are, there are many necromancers now. Yeah. So people biting yeah. Onaga's style is what's mm-hmm. happening there. I see. I oh, see. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, a lot of necromancy post Onaga. Mm. Um, so you don't want to be magic. a necromantic poser. That's just you know. Or no, a, I feel like that'd be probably be pretty embarrassing, right? Jumping on that bandwagon seems you know a little distasteful. Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't know. I guess it really comes down to you know you're already in theory puppeteering the dead to your own ends, which is sure. I would say probably objectively dishonorable, depending on your perspective on a corpse versus like a soul. It depends. Um, what if you were reanimating these corpses to help you fight a fire at an orphanage? Hmm. Very honorable. Yeah, there's like there's an interesting spin on necromancy. You know, is it better than using, say, like prison labor to like fight fires? Yeah. Right. right. Pro- yes, I would say so. Those people already lived. They're dead now. Um, hmm. It's probably it's probably going to come down to a religious thing. What if yeah. necromanced bodies were particularly good at uh, curing diseases? You know, so like, you'd right like up front to, like, working as like medical doctors, like yes. researchers, or, yeah, like, or like their lab. body parts. Okay, yeah, and so you know you would have that up front. You know, that's a hill to get over up front. Like. Yeah, would you want is, like a zombie performing open heart surgery on you? Right. Their dexterity isn't really like the thing that gets highlighted in zombie lore often. But they're not, but, yeah, but they're not operating. You know, they're not like going oh. hands on. They're they're right. sequestered in their own little lab, but they're great at like, you know, mm-hmm. curing our major diseases. So the, right. the buy-in would be like, look, you got to know that these cures came from the necromance dead, but right. they're fucking killer. They're knocking so out vaccines scenario, left and right. It's baby. like 
Yeah. In this scenario, it's kind of like they're more like re- the reanimator undead than the like classical Romero zombie undead that are being necromanced. And they're I kind see. of just like intelligently. Like, right. Well, that's more a question for you as you, as you're seeing it. Is that, is that the situation? When I think of a necromance body, I'm thinking of a decayed corpse that has been reanimated unless you get mm. there. Like when it's very fresh. Right. But it's, is it, is it being puppeteered? Is it intelligent? It depends. I would, it, hmm. <laughs> I would say it honestly depends on the necromancer. I assume that there are probably lazy necromancers who, right. you know, reanimate the dead and then they're like, go off and do whatever. You know, it's a party trick. And now someone's right. got to deal with this necromance body that's running around their house, mm. you know, mm-hmm. which admittedly would be a funny trick to play on somebody. But also like <laughs> the puppeteering involved is not, you know, that elaborate in a situation right. like that. That's but if you get a shitty necromancer. And the will and yeah. the yeah, I see. You would want a benevolent necromancer. Fair. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. while not benevolent, I guess I would say that Onaga was by by your standards, a fairly advanced necromancer in that yes. uh he quickly built up an unkillable army that he could oh, resurrect boy. as soon as they were struck down. So he was kind of famed fairly quickly for saying like hey does anyone want to get in my way and they were like sure he's like cool fight this army and they'd kill the army and he'd be like oh back alive and then um you know so you'd be fighting this like repeatedly reanimated army that would fight on his behalf an unkillable army Mm -hmm. i mean that seems unfair by the laws of or standards of warfare but also Mm -hmm. it's a great bit i mean yeah you know you can't top that yeah, it's like the good guys succeed. They defeat the army, and he's like, oh, oh, good for you, unless, oh, and then brings him yeah, back to life. lightning. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. it again. Just Because eventually that first army, they're going to get yeah. tired of slaying all those, all those people or soldiers. Yeah, you wear them down. Even if by that point you're fighting like a bunch of bisected corpses that are dragging themselves towards you, it's like you have to sleep eventually. They don't. If you were fighting an army that was being repeatedly brought back to life after you had mm-hmm. just slaughtered it, you know, with the rest of yeah. your army, how many mm-hmm. revolutions of that do you think you could get through before you're like, fuck this, I give up? Two. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. Do it once. After I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this again. Do it again. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go play yeah, Xbox. I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. see where this is going. I don't want any of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever cause I'm, be, I'm fighting for, by that point, day. I'm like, forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get frustrated. I went to the post office earlier and almost left because there were five people in line. I'll give up five. very easily. Yeah. Wow. How far is the post office from your house? 25 minutes. You drove 25 minutes and there were five people. So you were like, I'll drive 25 minutes home right now. <laughs> well, I had other errands to do. And so what I was thinking was, okay. like, maybe Reorder I'll do the other errands in this area and then come yeah. back, knowing full well that when I came back, there would then be 10, you know? Mm. This is, yeah. you know. So yeah. what did you wind up doing? Did you wait it out? I waited it out. Hey, kudos. That's a win for you. Yeah. Yeah, you proved something to yourself. Mm. We all learned a little bit about ourselves this day, I think. We all learned a little bit about Scott specifically today. <laughs> yeah. The impulse is always there to quit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But sometimes, the- if there's only five people at the post office, you can get past it. <laughs> If the if the challenge seems vaguely surmountable, yes. Yeah, yeah. Surmount a bish. Surmount a bish, yes. Yeah. 
that will be my right, autobi- so- my autobiography is actually called Surmount a Binch. You know, B I N C H. You like that? It's yeah. got a little sass on it. Yeah. It's got it's got some razzle dazzle as you put it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Inaga's razzle-dazzled his own little undead army, mm-hmm. and they are just terrorizing Outworld, uh, ruling it with an iron fist. But then yeah. he comes up with a new goal. He's like, hey, tell you what, this army is unkillable. They're immortal, so long as I'm resurrecting and controlling them. If I were to fall in battle or to be betrayed in some way, uh, I could not be resurrected, um, unless someone chose to resurrect me, in which case I'd be their puppet. What I sure. want is the promise of immortality. I want necromancy 2.0 where I can make me live forever. So, uh, Onaga decides that he's going to start studying immortality. The Mm -hmm. other dragons by this point are going extinct. They did not decide to form armies. They did not decide to form undead armies and become emperors. So they were either being killed across the other realms or they were, uh, just kind of dying out because they'd su- served their purpose and they were ready to move on to whatever the next life is for a dragon. And so uh, Onaga <laughs> goes, all right, I have a theory on immortality. This is canon that this is as, as locked down as he had it. He was like, I'm pretty sure that if I bathed <laughs> in the blood of a baby dragon, <laughs> I would become immortal, Okay, which is very tech genius, you know, f- switching out his blood with millennial blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peter uh, yeah. Thiel. Yeah, it's very Peter Thiel getting getting kid blood. Um, okay, so, see, when you first started this, I was like, I don't know about that. But now that you're explaining it, it makes perfect sense. So, yes. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know uh, so if it's going to be a baby dragon's blood. If it was just like a regular dragon, right. I'd be like, it's fucking preposterous. Right, but when it's the baby dragon, you're like, well, that makes sense. That's fresh blood. So, yeah. yeah, in a very like Lady Bathory sense, he thinks just bathing in it will give him immortality. The problem is, because the dragons are going extinct, there ain't no babies. Uh, so he finds the last dragon egg. Don't know where. Doesn't matter. Uh, has it hidden away in a lava temple where it is guarded by a sect of holy men who worship Onaga uh, as essentially a god to them. Um. At this point, there is a conflict in the lore, so I kind of have my opinion on what, what makes more sense to have <laughs> happened, but s- some people say... Scholars are divided. Scholars are divided uh, 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 betwixt the various pieces of uh, Easter eggs in various Mortal Kombat games <laughs> written by different people. Um, <laughs> some say that at this point, Onaga took his army on the road while yes. he was waiting for that egg to hatch mm-hmm. and started uh, campaigning against possible enemies in other realms just so that no one would kill him in the interim while he was waiting for this egg to hatch. Some say he never left Outworld and that he was content to simply rule Outworld and that his army was just kind of you know, fighting back any sort of revolution while he was waiting for the egg to hatch. Regardless of which was happening at this time, the Elder Gods started to get worried. They were like, listen, the one being I'm maybe sorry, trying to reassemble. Notes. Oh, yeah, please. Get your notebook out. Get a pen. Okay. One you said being, a lava temple? Necromancy. Lava temple. Okay. Sect of I, I'm going to loop back around here in a minute. But go Dragon ahead. Dragon egg. Okay. So 
the Elder Gods, they start to worry that Onaga may in fact be a vessel for the One Being. That the One Being may be acting through Onaga because they're like, he's becoming too powerful. He might be immortal soon. He's got an unstoppable army. If he wanted to, he could, and this is probably pre-Mortal Kombat tournament idea from the Elder Gods, but they're like, he could just trounce the other realms. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were like, "We have to act. We need to stop Onaga." Um, but they had the wrong guy pegged. Fuck. Because Onaga was not being influenced by the One Being. The person who was being influenced by the One Being at this time was Onaga's advisor, the god meant to be protecting Outworld, Shao Kahn. And Shao Kahn had this idea starting to form in his head that he too would like immortality and that to achieve it and to fulfill his greater purpose, the best way to do so would be to conquer Outworld himself, become a God Emperor and begin to conquer the other realms and merge them with Outworld, which of course is what would bring back the one being. No, it's absurd. You bathe in a a baby dragon's blood. We've already established. It's so much simpler and at least try it before you decide to conquer the other realms. Right. It's, I mean, just a lot of manpower involved. Ridiculous. And who doesn't like a bath? But, <laughs> who doesn't like but, a nice, warm bloodbath? Well, I, I, that is one of the things I want to loop back around to. This idea of is the bloodbath. Well, like, sure, let's loop. When you, when you take a bubble bath at home, you are yeah. taking a bath in water, yes? Yes. But I, presumably... Objectively true. Yes. Plus, of course, soap. Can't argue with it. But you're also using soap in the bath, right? Yes. Okay. When you're taking a bloodbath, do you also use soap? Hmm. I think no. You see what I'm saying? Like, is there a cake of soap sitting there? Or is the blood itself? Here's why. Here's why I think no. I believe the intention of taking a bloodbath is for the blood to seep into your skin and to, uh, to receive the residual... Uh, energy, life force, whatever it is you think is in that blood to have it transfer into your body. When we take a bath, the point isn't to become a sponge and take on the water. The point is to simply use the water as a means to remove the dirt uh, and detritus that we have on our skin. Uh, Unless you're Jake Gyllenhaal, yes. Unless you're Jake Gyllenhaal, Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, in which case you kind of just splash a little bit in the undercarriage and call it a day. Whore's bath. So. (laughs) That's my grandmother used to call it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. She rode the rails, man. She was was a classy lady. That's pretty cool. I'm making that up. (laughs) (laughs) You just got Luis, my man. (laughs) <laughs> Shit, it's so easy to be deceived. That is why I relate so much but, uh, to those who are deceived. I don't know. I'm I'm troubled by this bloodbath thing. If if what you're saying is true, it's more of a soak. I would think of it as a blood soak. It is a blood soak. I. It, it's a blood soak. But it would seem like if you're trying to get it into every orifice in your body, mm-hmm. it would be quicker to just you know drink a bunch of blood. Yeah, but then it's going into your stomach and you're passing it, whereas your skin could absorb it into your own blood uh, if you're to kind of splash around in it for a while. I heard a story once that uh, Keith Richards, when he mm-hmm. when he when he was like at the the height of his his heroin usage, 
rather yeah. than, you know, when he wanted to um, come off of it, rather than mm-hmm. go through detox and all the unfortunate things that go along with that, uh, he would go to a fucking clinic in Switzerland that would essentially replace all the blood in his body with new blood that was not, you know, infected with heroin. I don't know that this tracks. Well, um, it would explain a lot, like how he how he survived so long. <laughs> it would, but I also, I mean, you're also getting into, like, addiction is not just the physical aspect, it's also the mental, right. so there'd be that right. going along with it, and so, so I don't well, know if it... Well, that doesn't ti- seem like it was a way to conquer addiction so much as a way to prolong overall yeah. health of his body yeah. due to poisoning. If he had yeah. to do it more than once, yes. You know, yeah. and, 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 the, and the story is that he had, this is like a thing he regularly did and it was very expensive, but yeah, probably, probably a couple hundred bucks, right? But to, to that end, no, you can get flights to Sweden for like 20 and under right now, but oh, well. uh, to that end, if, um, if Keith Richards could replace heroin blood with regular blood, you know, mm-hmm. a full, again, I'm thinking a full blood transfusion would be the better usage of the blood, the blood than swap. bathing it. I'm just not, I'm just not convinced of this whole notion of a bloodbath in, in this story so you, or yeah. any story. Yeah. Because you, it you just seems like the, it's the Peter Thiel school of thought that you, you subscribe to, which is just yes. swap the blood, do a blood swap. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk I mean, about you know, it all listen. the time, me and Peter, when we hang out, <laughs> you know, that's just one <laughs> of our things. you and Pete talk about also, this lava temple business. I'd like to talk about yeah. that for a second. Let's, please. Um, why would you build the temple on the lava? Who is, what architect are they bringing in to make, and, and who is building mm. a, a structurally sound foundation in lava? It seems just like theories. needlessly volatile. I have two theories on this. One, it's, like having it, a it's probably just temple. necessary because it's like lizards love a hot rock, right? A magical lizard the size of a dragon probably needs to be near some lava. So that's like, a, it's a need that needs to be, so that's the why of it, I would say. The the how? Well, A, it sounds like Onaga had a lot of disciples who were willing to pretty much just like, you know, lay down some brick until their body full on burnt to a crisp yes. and fell away into the flowing lava. So he probably he probably did just throw a lot of disciples at at the construction of this temple now how the temple was able to stand i'm imagining orientation day for those guys and it's like you look you're gonna be you're gonna be dealing with a lot of incineration uh possibilities Mm -hmm. here so yeah Mm -hmm. you gotta be willing to suck it up (laughs) wear boots yeah i think i think probably you had to go through a few people too like midway through the orientation the person's probably like god Oh, my boat. <laughs> just like someone Let else had to step in and be yeah. like, anyway, then you're going to want to lay down a little bit of this concrete mixture, which is going to hold the bricks together. <laughs> and then um, whoop, that guy goes up. <laughs> We're burning through too many guys on these demonstrations, yeah. y'all. I think probably eight or nine guys a minute in order to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to build the temple. Minimum, minimum. Uh, three or four thousand guys at a time working full days okay. to do it. Well, every, um, everything you've said regarding the lava temple, I, I believe is sound. And yeah. uh, I have no further questions about that. It makes sense now. Oh, great. Um, so. Or one we, last Onaga, thing. Oh, yeah. One, I'm sorry. 
I'm, I'm no, no, very sorry. I'm, I'm trying to keep up here. Hey, uh, look, the, this, is, this is how it works. The, the dragon egg business. Yeah. How big mm-hmm. is the dragon egg? Pretty big. I'd say like <sighs> probably the size of like a guy. You know? is, is that it? A guy? I thought you were going to say yeah. a guy like in a fetal position who's holding. No, no just no. a guy. Yeah, you know, so it's like a Mortal Kombat size guy. So like, I'm going to say approximately a six foot tall egg, but more like a John Cena width. So probably four and a half <laughs> feet wide. Um. And also, just out of curiosity, this doesn't play into yeah. uh, whether or mm-hmm. not I'm buying into this mythology. Sure. Um, a dragon egg's got to have a thicker shell than a regular egg, right? You know, because it scales up. How many yeah. inches do you think a dragon... Oh, what do you think the you know the the shell on a dragon egg? How many inches do yeah. you think we're talking? I'm guessing three. I was going to say nine. Nine? That yeah. would be way bigger than John Cena and a guy. Well, it really depends on how much of the interior of the egg is like placenta and dragon baby. Well, checkmate there, I suppose. But you're not going to have Listen, an egg. I don't with have like all tiny... the answers. Okay. Well, you certainly <laughs> seem to. This is a. This is a. I would say an educated guess. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that it's a John Cena sized egg <laughs> with <laughs> nine inch uh, thick shell, shell walls. And then within a very warm and cozy, surprisingly small dragon baby that will eventually grow to an unbelievable size. Hmm. You know, like when they weigh babies, you know, when you mm-hmm. have one, you had one, yeah. you know about this. I've been there. Yeah. You were born. You got weighed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you think a dragon baby weighs? Mm. Now, keep in mind, Let's you see. just set the precedent of a nine inch wall on these yeah. eggs. And that the chamber like within a, might be very small, so don't come at me with 200 pounds. I didn't say very. I said, I'd said whatever would scale to if John Cena had like nine inch thick skin, the interior of a, a Cena. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> Your garden variety Cena. You know this, people. I, I would say in that, in that case, probably a three quarter Cena size. <laughs> so maybe 200 pounds. Oh, boy. All right, I'm going to let that one go. Does that sound right? I think 200 pounds. <sighs> How much does John Cena weigh, do you think? I mean, he's big. I'm guessing 300 pounds. Okay, so maybe it's more like... And he's, he's pure muscle, clearly. You know, he's not... Yeah. He's not a round two, 300 two, pounds. 200, 220. That's what I would guess for a dragon baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of my dog. We have a dog named Mad Max, who's very large. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. And he sleeps in the bed with us. It's like having a, a an errant eighth grader sleeping in bed yeah. with you or something. You know, mm-hmm. very awkward and all limbs and, you know, heavy in the wrong ways. Of course. Um, not that I've had an eighth grader sleeping in my wife and I's bed. I, I want to make that very clear here today. Okay. But uh, he's a skosh uh, over 100 pounds. Yeah. Two of those, mm-hmm. two of Ma- two Mad Maxes. Yeah, it's a 16th grader. <laughs> a six- <laughs> I'm thinking two Mad Maxes m- might not equal three quarters of a Cena. Have you seen him in person? No. 
But okay. just, you know, I'm just I'm going by his screen presence. Actually, I have seen him in person. He was at CinemaCon. I was there one okay. year. And he came out. I, I'll tell you, that guy ripped the lid off the place and puts on a hell of a yeah. show. And he was there promoting mm-hmm. a movie where he was like a firefighter or some shit. And they showed the trailer and it was clearly a pile of garbage. Playing but, a fire. Wait, you didn't write this, did you? I wrote play, the film Playing a Fire. Okay, well. It's my um, masterpiece. It looked great. Uh, I just want to say that at the top of this, um, <laughs> but but like he had that audience eating out of the palm of his hand. But I saw him from yeah. a distance. This is in the Caesar's Palace, uh, you know, uh, Caesar Dome or whatever the fuck that thing is called. Yeah, the palace that sees the little Caesar's Palace. Mm-hmm. Little Caesar's Palace. Uh, everyone got crazy bread, obviously. In the audience, but well, now that's uh, what I want for lunch. Yeah, even at a distance, he was a very gigantic man. Yeah, a big boy. So yeah, I'm going to stick by it. Three quarter Cena, maybe maybe a little over two thirds of a Cena, but I think probably it depends on the breed of dragon. All right, all right, I'll accept. So two Mad Maxes. I'll accept. I'll, yeah, I, I can. I okay, we can move forward. All right. So, uh, Onaga got his army doing necromancy, waiting yeah. on that egg to hatch, maybe campaigning across the realms, maybe not. And then Shao Kahn gets this idea in his head where he's like, I got to rule out world and I got to conquer all the realms. Uh, so he poisons Onaga and Onaga dies. What? Yeah. Before the egg is even hatched? Yes. Oh, that's unfortunate. Don't, don't worry, Scott. That's okay. not the end. All right. So well, if I know anything about Mortal Kombat, it's that all deaths are permanent. Yeah. And that's why people never come back from hell to kill you. Yeah. You can only play it once. Famously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Shao Kahn had hoped to use Onaga's undead army to his ends. But as mm-hmm. soon as Onaga died, the army fell asleep um, and was possibly instantly mummified. It's hard to some people say it was instant. Some people say it happened over time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Shao Kahn has to figure out how to conquer the realms. Yeah, again, you know, there's a lot of debate between the various realms of Mortal Kombat lore. So so Shao Kahn has to come up with his own way to conquer the realms. He can't do Onaga's bit with the necromancy and the army and all that. Meanwhile, Onaga, despite his body being poisoned, had reached a level of mastery over magic and necromancy that his consciousness is able to live on independent of his body. One would say maybe his soul is kind of floating through the ether of our mortal realm. I see. And uh, is kind of annoyed that he was poisoned and murdered uh, and that his army's a mum- mummified now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, so the immortality thing didn't work out. Egg never hatched. I'm now just a soul with no body floating through the world. And as a soul now detached from a body disillusioned with the thing that drove him throughout his life. Onaga has, is finally uh, weak of will enough to become susceptible to the influence of the one being. And so Onaga's soul rolling around is like, you know what? Maybe Shao Kahn had a point. Maybe what I should have done was merge the realms and then I would be immortal. And Onaga being a, uh, a very old being who was around and interacted with the elder gods who knew a little bit more than most people do uh, about the sort of creation myth of Mortal Kombat 
He goes, I know the only way to merge the realms. The faster way to do it isn't to conquer every realm one at a time over 10 tournaments. It's to find the lost Kamidogu daggers hidden across the realms that were used to cut up the one being and then merge them together to create a weapon that can unmerge or remerge the realms and bring the one being back. And then I'll become the one being is basically what uh, Onaga is thinking. That's what I, I would have suggested as well. It's it's so obvious. It was like literally right there. Right? I know. So, Once you hear it, you're like fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, OK, yes. Obviously. The daggers. Go. The first person to think of it. Yeah. The, the freaking daggers, man. Yeah. So it's always the daggers. Uh, and they're hidden, you know, across the realms as different objects at this point so that, you know, someone wouldn't think to do this. Yada, yada. And anyway, Onaga's like, I don't have a body is the one thing. So I need to find a disciple. I need to find someone I can manipulate, someone I can deceive mm. into collecting the daggers for me without anyone really being the wiser. So it's got to be someone super low key. So he finds someone who, uh, depending on your scholarly school of thought, is either from Earthrealm or from Outworld. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds someone young, this guy named Shujinko, who's just like, he's training to be a monk, to be uh, a fighter. Um, and at this point, the Mortal Kombat tournament exists. So maybe he even has aspirations of being a warrior who could defend his realm in the Mortal Kombat tournament. Um, he's just an ambitious young guy, Shujinko. And uh onaga says i'm going to approach shujinko obviously i can't roll up and say i'm onaga because yeah. people probably know about me bt dubs they don't he was basically erased from history outside of a few people who remembered him uh, but he rolls up <clears throat> it, it, kind of brutal he rolls up to shujinko and he says i am uh damashi not onaga and i am an emissary of the elder gods I've come to you with a divine mission. The Elder Gods, they want you to collect these special things called Kamidogus from across the realms. I'm going to help you travel around the realms through these various portals that are hidden that will take you around to all these different places. Um, and what's, what's even more exciting, I'm sure for you, Shujinko, is that you'll get to learn fighting styles from all different dimensions and you're going to be like so good at fighting, dude. And it's going to be such a fun adventure for you and you're special. And that's why we're picking you to do this special mission. Right. And you know, what would you say in that situation, Scott? I'd be all in. I mean, it sounds like a package deal. You know, it's uh, great. It's like you're going to get to see the universe. You're going to get to see all the realms. You're going to get to meet new people, learn fighting. It's going to be great. Yeah. You're going to learn all these uh, fighting styles. You know, it's a, uh, again, it's a package deal. Right. You know, it's it's the the weekend at the Disney Star Cruiser of, you know, (laughs) uh, training. Yeah. How much is that going to cost? A zillion dollars? $5,000. Is it really? For two people for a weekend. Wait, is that true? Yes. It's like 4800, but yes. 4859 or some shit. To stay at a hotel for a weekend. Uh, sir, this isn't just a hotel, okay? Let's get that straight right now. This is a galactic star cruiser that is uh entirely stationary but has all the uh outward appearances. Or I should say inward because I think a lot of this effect is achieved with um special effects behind glass and what have you uh, of wait, traveling through space. Wait, are you serious? It's going to cost $4,800 to stay at the, the star Wars hotel. 
the Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, <laughs> I just I cannot stress that enough. It is not a, it, you know, ben, a hotel is a fucking Ramada. Okay, a hotel is a Motel <laughs> Six. You know, this isn't a hotel. Well, no, it's a motel, literally by name. Is- You're gonna get to have wildly ex- expensive meals. In the presence of people who are dressed up like Star Wars characters, you can't put Hold a price on, on that. No, you can. Apparently, how many people can they keep at the hotel? How many people have that kind now, of money? It sounds like around? you're putting a price on it, and real Star Wars fans will be like, "That's just the number that I need to sign my name to to make this problem, the problem that I am not there right now, go away." You know, so I think it's very oh, reasonable. I don't understand? So I'm going to launch a GoFundMe. To get this me is there. really I'm spiraling. That's fucked up. It's outrageous. That's it's fucking crazy. That's I just don't understand how how they're gonna have that hotel be full every night. Also, if you want at that uh, price, well, they're what like, do, how much money do they think people have? You you have, but if you look at you know, it's set up like a cruise, right? Like I was looking at the schedule of events. It's a weekend. So it's, it's like a day one, day two, day three thing, right? So there's like orientation where the captain of the star cruiser comes out and talks to you. And then there's like drinks on the promenade and shit like that. You know, it's you. Have you been on a cruise before? Yes, but okay, the cruise it's takes exactly me places. what it is exactly what a cruise's schedule for looks like, like a week but, or longer. But then also <laughs> then also like every once in a while, there's like an interactive story event where it's like debate whether or not to let a rebel on board or whether like this or that. And uh you know, so, I have to, uh, so I'm paying for the opportunity to get together with a bunch of other adults and say, should we let this actor playing a rebel on the in the hotel? But you're leaving out an important part. You're also going to get to Do argue I have the with- option to say that person has to give me five thousand dollars. <laughs> you also get the added bonus of being around everyone else's children who are also probably going to be screaming their own ideas. And, and they are, as you know, um. You said it's five thousand dollars for two people. What if I want to bring my kid? Does it become ten thousand dollars? Uh, I th- I think it, I think it weirdly jumps up from by like only a thousand dollars if you're bringing four. If it's like oh, two only? adults and oh, two is it kids, only a thousand dollars, Scott. Well, well, you would think <laughs> that it would double in cost, just like you would double Mad Max's to equal, you know, one Cena. Oh uh, God. No. How, How did you they, not see no. this? It was all anyone was talking about the other day. Because I saw Galactic Star Cruiser trending and I made the conscious decision not to click on it because I didn't want to know. And now I know that it's well, even more outrageous than I can imagine. Here's the yeah, thing. I'm not against the idea of a Star Wars hotel where people are in character. That sounds so fun. This is sound- about a thousand times more than I would spend <laughs> to go. I think I think I would get yeah, annoyed a with it. hundred times more. I think I would get annoyed with it within a matter of hours. Six hours I'd give myself on that before being like, there's no rides here or nothing? This is it? Yeah, what? There's no rides. Do you get to go yeah. to Disney or do you have to stay in the hotel? That's uh, that that I don't know the answer to that question. Because um, that's also like I would get anxious not being able to leave the Galactic Star Cruiser. I don't want sure. to be on a spaceship in space for three days. No. You know. Oh, all right, we got to get back into this because I, yeah. I, this is just breaking my brain. All right, so for decades, for this guy's entire lifetime, Onaga coaches Shujinko 
through this quest, going to the various realms, finding the Kamidogu, collecting them uh, from this guy's childhood until he is an old man. From Outworld to Edenia to Earthrealm to the Nether Realm to the Order Realm to the Chaos Realm. Uh, Shujinko travels across the realms with Onaga as Damashi saying like, Hey, good job, man. Now get that Kamidogu. Now get that one. At the same time, uh, the holy men who worship Onaga have like cave people just continued to guard the dragon egg in the hopes that one day Onaga would come back. And again, cause it's a lot of temple. They're shit. probably just dying off. That other person is born. Yeah. They're just keeping it going. They even, independently decide to go capture uh, an elemental being named blaze made the of fire. monks yeah the monks they're like let's go get this elemental named blaze capture him because we're gonna die off one day so we'll make him protect the egg he's made of fire so he can live down here after mm-hmm. we die he's immortal so they do that they imprison this guy blaze this elemental they capture him they put him down in the lava temple he's protecting the egg eventually Onaga gets all of the Kamidogus from Shujinko. Mm-hmm. And now the problem that he has is he doesn't have a body. Yes. He goes into the temple thinking maybe the dragon's been born. Egg still hasn't hatched. So instead, Onaga's like, I need to just protect my soul. The Kamidogus are all in one place. So I need uh, to, I'm going to just put my spirit in this egg and wait for it to hatch or for someone to come in here who I can possess, who has a suitable physical form. (laughs) Uh, And luckily, sheer luck, a dinosaur man named Reptile, a Saurian, who is a essentially like if a dragon was a guy, um, happened to stumble into the lava temple where the egg was. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. What do you mean happened to stumble into the lava temple? It's not fortified? It's not protected? At this point, no. They don't have constantly incinerated security guards outside? No, they don't. They all died, I guess. Um, uh, We ran out. It wasn't wasn't a huge coincidence. What had happened was that a vampire tricked Reptile into ambushing a cyborg in the Lava Temple. Oh, classic. Yeah. Um, But long story short, Reptile walked in there. Onaga's saw him and was like oh perfect and instantly blasted his soul into reptile's body and then hulked out to the onaga that we recognize today wait blasted whose soul into onaga's soul onaga's soul was in the egg onaga saw reptile from the eggs like pov and onaga just like blasted into reptile's body and took over reptile's body gotcha because mm-hmm. reptile was a, a, a proper vessel. I see that makes sense. that tracks. Yes, yeah, he is a reptile. Correct. So Onaga knew that the moment had come. He had mm-hmm. possessed a dragon body. He hulked out to his the size that he was happy with. Um, so he be- he became Onaga the Dragon King in a corporeal form again. He had the Kami Dogus. Um, within his grasp, I'm not sure if like Shujinko still had them on on hand at this point, and he just needed to go get them, or if he had the Kamidogos and he just had to do something first, yeah, before merging the realms. But things had worked out particularly well because Shao Kahn, his old enemy, had even just been murdered by these two sorcerers, Shang Tsung and Quan Chi, who had been calling themselves the Deadly Alliance at this point. Happy accident. Yes, and in fact, another happy accident. The Deadly Alliance 
had just dug up the immortal army, still mummified, and were planning. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It, the pieces, everything was really coming together. The one being was probably orchestrating events in this direction because it was about right. things were working out, you know, in his favor, in their favor. The mummified so, uh, army, they got rags and shit on them. Like, what are what are uh, we dealing with here? More, they're more like a mummy tomb of the dragon emperor kind of mummified gotcha, army. Gotcha. They're kind of like stone-ish, jade-ish mm, army. Mm. Uh, yeah, and so like the two sorcerers, no scorpion they dug up kings the army. among them. No scorpion kings among them. Onaga in this circumstance kind of takes on that role, um, but oh. as a dragon, not a scorpion. So. Uh, the army's there. The two sorcerers, they are creating a soul NATO. Tornado made of souls. Um, Obviously. In order to funnel a bunch of souls into the army so that they can control them because they can't just necromancy them since they're bound to Onaga. And then uh, Onaga storms their little palace setup. Mm. He kills the deadly alliance. Uh, Earth's god, Shao Kahn's counterpart in on earth uh raiden shows up he kills raiden um raiden actually like suicide bombed himself to try to stop onaga and it didn't do anything didn't stop him (laughs) classic raiden yeah didn't work sorry dude so onaga reclaims his army his unkillable army um and instantly proves that he is unstoppable he collects, uh, he, he kills most of the great warriors from across the realms who come and try to stop him and make them part of his army. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he approaches Shujinko, I believe, to get his Kamidogus. And he's like, hey, man, I'm Damashi. Psych, I'm fucking Onaga. I lied to you your whole life. You have been deceptioned. Um, and I, now I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take the Kamidogus. Just um, like Luis. This is exactly like Luis, except he, it was less than, instead of it being like a few years, it was, um, this guy's, his entire lifetime. Yeah. And um, Scott, Wey- Scott Weiland is not involved, I suppose. Right. It's like if Luis talked you into every major decision you made in your entire life. Mm-hmm, and then when mm-hmm. you were like 80, 90 years old was like, I'm, I'm a liar. I made it all up. <laughs> well, that would be an even more bitter pill to swallow. So I can appreciate yeah. the pain going on here. Yes. You get it. You get where Shujinko's head was at here. Well, but here's yes. the thing. Here's where Onaga, uh, he was really foisted by his own petard. Um, Shujinko had succeeded in learning many fighting styles as he traveled across the realms. And he had made friends across the realms, powerful warriors. And so when Onaga went to just beat him up and take the Kamidogus, Shujinko teamed up with a ghost, a ninja made up of a thousand souls, a Native American warrior, and a bunch of other people um, to destroy the Kamidogu and defeat Onaga. And in fact, because he had learned so many various martial arts from so many great warriors over the course of the years traveling the realms, Mm. he was able to defeat Onaga with a single magical punch that contained the energy of like a whole bunch of people or whatever. And Onaga was once more killed. And that native American warrior, this guy named Nightwolf, took his soul to the nether realm, the realm that is hell. If it was a dimension Mm. and bound Onaga's soul there, uh, permanently. Kind of gilding the Lily a little bit on that one. 
you know, the, uh, our man has been well, through a lot by this point, and mm-hmm. you know, he's already been humiliated, defeated. Now we're taking him to Hellraiser world. It's just, uh, it's cruel. You'd think it was good. I mean, he's a bad guy, but you know, fair, you know, he's a bad guy and it wasn't enough to stop him. Yes. So Wallen, I've seen, I I knew it wasn't because I saw those pictures of him fucking a minute ago. Yeah. We haven't gone to the fucking part yet. Honestly, this is, uh, the fucking's probably not canonical. I'm pretty sure Onaga died a virgin, but what? Um, hard to say. Like Captain America, incel, more like incel dragon, dragon king. Yeah, yeah, more like incel dragon. More like Onaga the dragon, uh, incel. Incel dragon king would be a good Walker Texas Rangers spinoff. I don't know that it would need to necessarily be a spinoff so much as a. Well, it, the title follows the same idea format that right? has as many syllables. Yeah. Walker, Texas Ranger, Onaga, <laughs> Incel King, Incel Dragon, Incel Dragon. <laughs> um, Incel Dragon's a good, I like idea for a character, though. Do you mind if I use that one day? No, that's great. Please. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Sweet. And the Lazy Necromancer, they're going to have a show together. Just, yeah, just, <laughs> just <laughs> at me on Twitter when it happens. I will. Yeah, I will. I'll give you the exclude. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come on Kingcast to promote it. Excellent. Yeah, and you're on your like nineteenth episode about misery in the year twenty thirty four. Folks, we got the local barista from my Starbucks uh, on the show today <laughs> here to talk about Cycle of the Werewolf, which you've only heard about four hundred times. <laughs> Uh, one day. Um, here's the thing: Stephen King's gonna live forever, and he's never gonna stop writing. So I think you're good. What about a Mortal Kombat character named Stephen Kano? Hmm, I like that. It's, it's literally Stephen in... King with Kano's faceplate. I'd like to see that Photoshop, and I may in fact do it for uh, the promotion of this episode. Stay oh, tuned. Love it. It's that, or I put your face on Onaga's body. So I can do that too. I would love to send you some some options for that. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be some of that hentai, but I yeah, will replace one part of an all body with one part of waist, your body. Yeah, these are all waist down pictures. We're not talking. Yeah, about, you know. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I got get it. it. I get it. I understand. I always forget I that you only take photos from the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trained right. well. So we're in the nether realm. Yes. Onaga is chilling being tortured by demons or whatever Mm -hmm. and he gets approached by this guy named shinnok shinnok is actually an elder god but a fallen elder god he's like the lucifer of the mortal Kombat franchise he's an elder god who betrayed the other elder gods and was sent to the nether realm forever and other things have happened since then but long story short he's back in there stuck in the nether realm cast down like a hoe oh yeah mega cast he approaches onaga and he says, listen, I want you to help me return to power. And Onaga's like, yeah, here's the thing. I would like to return to power. And Shinnok's like, cool, here's, that's fine. You can't, but I can help you escape the Netherrealm where you don't want to be. And Onaga's like, I'm listening. And he says, here's the deal. I want to conquer the realms. If you help me, I will let you have Outworld. 
And Onaga is like, I don't trust this guy, but I'll take any way out of here and then I'll betray whoever I have to. And Shinnok says, here's the catch um, outside of being subservient to me. You need to team up with <laughs> Shao Kahn and the Deadly Alliance because they also have been defeated and had their souls sent to the Nether Realm. So all of us losers are going to have to form a, a sort of a club um, and uh, work together to leave the Nether Realm. And Onaga's like, I don't trust anyone, but I do want revenge on Shao Kahn. I do want to get up there and get revenge on Shujinko. So I'm in. So Shinnok says, here's the plan. Uh, there's this battle coming up called the Battle of Armageddon. A pyramid <laughs> has arisen. <laughs> we got it on the calendar. Battle of Armageddon. <laughs> a prophecy has for a long time foretold that this pyramid's going to rise in Edenia, the hot wizard realm. And um, the, at the top of the pyramid... This elemental is going to appear. Onaga's like, elemental? And he's like, yup, it's this guy named Blaze. Blaze is going to appear at the top of this pyramid. Here's the thing. He's not just any old fire guy. He has actually been part of this ancient prophecy that foretells that if you can defeat him, you will actually instantly gain the power of the one being. This is a prophecy and a series of events set into motion by none other than your former dragon buddies, Karin, Karo, and what is his name? Jake? Kar, Karo your and show, Orin. Baby. It's Karo and Orin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> two dragons you know from the dawn of time. You know? you know? They set this prophecy in motion. Blaze is going to be at the top of this pyramid. Once again, Onaga, you have to realize that uh, the world doesn't revolve around you and there are other things that have been set into motion that you don't understand. Anyway, we're going to go fight uh, everyone in the history of Mortal Kombat at the base of this pyramid. And everyone, your goal is to just get me, Shinnok, to the top of the pyramid so I can fight Blaze. And if I win, then I will give you all decent titles and I'll separate you so you can't fight each other. And, and everything will be great. Everyone on Team Shinnok? And they're like, yes, let's do it. So Shinnok opens a portal. They head to Adenia for the battle. And um, instantly turn on each other. <laughs> Onaga goes after Shao Kahn. He uh, flies him away on his dragon wings, ready to drop him out of the sky. And here's the thing. We don't know what happened to Onaga at this point. All that we know is that Shao Kahn came back to the pyramid without Onaga. <laughs> uh, Shao Kahn got to the top of the pyramid Shao Kahn defeated Blaze. Shao Kahn began to take on the power of the one being. And then the timeline was reset by Raiden, who in his last moment sent a message back in time to his younger self, a message that was vague <laughs> as fuck, a message <laughs> that was simply, he must win. And by sending that message back, uh, Ashen Kutcher Butterfly Effect style um, history changed, the timeline changed, and Shao Kahn, in this new timeline, was no longer the person who made it to the top of the pyramid and defeated Blaze. Um, so, to sum it up, Onaga <laughs> died in that battle, um, and maybe he would have come back again, but it doesn't matter because the entire timeline was reset. In the new timeline... 
Uh, Onaga doesn't really make a specific appearance, but he is mentioned. So the best I can gather is that Onaga went through a lot of the same shit. He uh, dominated Outworld. He was uh, poisoned by Shao Kahn. Um, Some clues to his path after that. He never got a new body. Um, It seems like the people who worshipped him at the temple grew into a cult called the Red Dragon that tried to orchestrate the events of humanity throughout time. Not humanity, but rather all of the realms throughout time, like the Illuminati. They had ambitions to put Onaga's spirit into a new body, which we see a little bit in one of the comic books that take place in the new timeline. Um, they may have put Onaga's spirit into Goro, uh, who had had all four of his arms cut off at this point in time. But between that event and the next time we see Goro, Goro is a skeleton with four arms. So he did get his arms back. It's possible that was because Onaga's spirit went into his body, but he ultimately died. So in this timeline, Onaga never really comes back. Um, Shao Kahn looks more dragon-like, and it is theorized that he absorbed some of Onaga's dragon powers in this new timeline. It's also theorized in this new timeline that the reason Liu Kang has all this like uh, this ability to make like dragon constructs and fire and stuff is that he is somehow a descendant of or related to Onaga. Some characters say that in the most recent Mortal Kombat game, which would mean that in the new timeline, Onaga canonically did fuck and is like a great great granddaddy to Liu Kang. I knew it, and would have had to have specifically at some point in the in the line. He had to a, hu- a human being, right? Which is most of the art that you find online. So it's possible that a lot and of it's that probably art is Liu Kang's mom, now. right? I would say it seems more than one generation removed. The dragon blood in the bloodline. Oh, I, I would see. say he might be Liu Kang. Might be more like one sixteenth dragon because he looks like a dude. Otherwise, but we also haven't seen what's below the belt. So I don't know. Maybe he's packing That's dragon true. meat down there. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. That's the story of Onaga, Scott. What do you think? Uh, I can't believe any of this is real. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm stunned to learned all of, uh, to have learned all of this. Yeah, um, and and particularly that all of this has been created in support yes. of a mm-hmm. game where when I play it, I just mash the X button and some of the bumpers and hope for the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm unduly impressed by uh, the writing that's being done on these games and the the world that is being built out on the, all of this. Decades of work. Decades. Decades of work. Yes. I did have very convoluted. Creators... I, that would be my only note. Yes. Uh, a little. Well, that's probably a, hard a to result follow. of that's a result of all the different writers who have who have come on over the uh, years. I would say. Right. I did have one of the original creators. Uh, John Tobias on on the show. Sunday has joined. Uh, so if you hear some goo-goos and some gagas, that would be Sunday. And also if you hear the microphone getting batted around, that is also Sunday. She can't um, hear me, right? She cannot hear you. Okay. Just in case. Yeah. I, I have a very dirty mouth. I didn't want to let something slip. And She she knows about cussing. It's okay. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> so I'm literally just hitting the microphone. Um, so... Uh, 
that is a result of the many different writers. All that said, um, I have had one of the creators of Mortal Kombat, John Tobias, on the show before. Um, and he did say that from the very first game, his ambition was to make something like Star Wars. Um, to make something that had a $5,000 hotel experience that lasted two or three days. Sure, um, sure. No, Get no, he did, he did say that like, his influences on that first game, story-wise, were the Shaw Brothers films, which is like, a, yeah, no duh, um, and other kung fu movies from that era, but also Star Wars, which is why from the very first Mortal Kombat game, there are all these allusions to Shao Kahn, who's not even in that game. The Emperor of Outworld, which you don't even see in that game. Um, the Furies, which are like, the it's like the Force. Like all this stuff is like from the very beginning, it's in there. Um, and Onaga starts getting name dropped like before he appears for a while. And so a lot of this is like from the beginning, it was a very mythology dense series. And then over 27, I think it's 28 now years. It might be more, I don't know. Anyway, 29 yeah 92 is the first game yeah like 29 years uh over the course of all this time almost three decades um more and more people have come on to write and there's been a need to add even more lore yeah because of of how things started um without erasing because like even when they did make a new game uh, a sort of reboot game in 2011 which is just called mortal Kombat, it's like the star trek approach where it was that new timeline where you enjoyed it more if you knew all the things that had come before. Um, and that timeline, even the most recent Mortal Kombat game was like a timeline mashup <laughs> game. Wouldn't so like it, they really, at, a, at yeah. a certain point, wouldn't it be easier to just pause and say, we're rebooting all this shit. We're going to tell mm-hmm. it like if, if, if somebody tasked me with writing a new Mortal Kombat game, and handed yeah. me a Bible that, uh, you know, a, a mythology Bible that would say, uh, just based on the one character story you've told me, I have mm-hmm. to assume is at least 70,000 pages long. Um, yeah. Would it not be easier to say? This is absolutely one of the shorter stories. <laughs> wouldn't it be easier? <laughs> Christ. Of wouldn't like it be easier to just characters. be like, hey, guys, we're just going to start from the top and do our own new thing and maybe not make it so uh complex I, or or are the fans of this franchise because i i am speaking to you as a a casual player of this franchise at best mm-hmm. uh are they so wrapped up in this mythology that they would be outraged if it were discounted or yes. set aside yeah very well i think so i think so yeah that said they're, they've figured out their ways to kind of do that, to stay accessible. Like, the, the to only a few Mortal Kombat games ago was that reboot. And you could have jumped in, and that was the first time you ever played a Mortal Kombat game. And mm-hmm. it gave you a new story. Kind of like how you could just jump into the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, and it's like, cool. Right. I've, right, uh, now right. I can continue forward with Star Trek without being bound to the, like, unbelievable myriad dense, like, mythology that came before. Um... That's my two dogs, uh, which put together might be an eighth of your dog. Um, they're both half graders. One eighth um, of, two, of one Mad Max is yeah. how much of a John Cena? Because two Boy, I'd Mad say my Max dogs is in a John like a 16th Cena. of a Cena. No, I think it much might be less. a 30, a 30 second. A, 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 maybe a 64th of a Cena. Yeah, because both my dogs are sub 10 pounds. Hmm. 
Yeah. And the metric system, all that doesn't really apply here. I don't know. So we didn't, we don't, I'm a word man, not a numbers guy mixed up in all that. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, uh, the new, the next game will in some way reboot the timeline again. <laughs> Based on the ending of the most recent game. Going back even farther, it looks like going back at least like 500 years. So, uh, 500 years in the, in the, yeah. in the span of these, uh, of what you're describing. Sounds in, it's not infinitesimal. That yes, it's yeah. it's so small. The story I I didn't really get into it, but the story I told you was supposed to have canonically taken place over a millennia. Jesus, titty fuck. Because like this I is... think when they introduce Onaga, they're like a millennia ago he was the ruler of Outworld. <laughs> 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 so that was like a thousand years. Yeah. So about half. So of the that next is how Mortal Kombat game yeah. is is a is a ground zero thing. It seems that way. The end of the yes. most recent game. Yes a new person takes over the timeline and resets everything. And the first thing we see them do is talk to a character that we know is canonically, uh, to, it would have been around 500 years in the past. Probably. Yeah. And that's all we know. So I don't know. Anyway, well, I don't even know how story, to respond Scott. to that. Yeah. But, but now that you are keyed into the various creatures and realms and forces in the world of mortal Kombat, it does bring us to our final segment. Yes. A segment I like to call Choose Your Destiny, oh. in which I ask you, Scott, if Scott Wampler existed in the world of Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. who would he be? What would he be? What would he do? What's this guy's fatality? Tell me a little bit about MK Scott Wampler. Choose Your oh, Destiny, Oh, man. I wish I had time, uh, I'd been given time to prepare for this. I don't. Because, uh, <laughs> um, I think that, uh, Given everything I've learned today, mm-hmm. that I would like to blend into the surroundings and not be drawn into all this drama. Yep. I think my my power would therefore be invisibility and just sort of laying in the cut. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not not getting all involved in all this Michigas over over realms and pyramids and dragon eggs and lava temples and what have you. Blood baths. Yeah. Um, right. I think I just want to be a guy. I want to I want to run. I'll tell you what I would do. I would run the snack bar at the Mortal Kombat tournament. I like you that. Know? I'll bartend yeah. over there. I'll serve up some hot dogs. We got nachos, you know, uh-huh. and if and if I catch even a whiff of a tournament official casting an eye towards me thinking like maybe we'll throw that guy into the fucking mix. I'm going invisible. So that's that's uh-huh. what I will be. I will be an invisible snack bar right. slash bartender at the tournaments in okay. the, the Mortal Kombat mythology. You kind of got two options invisibility wise. You're either so someone who has gotten a hold of some special forces, U.S. Special Forces technology. That's the uh, department of the military that uh, polices other realms. Naturally. Um, or you're a Saurian. Who have the innate ability to go invisible? That's the reptile, the dragon, the the dinosaur guys. Do you have a preference there? Uh, I think I'd be the former. I want I okay. want as little as I want as little as possible to change between what I am now as this. I'm going to have enough to deal with, just mentally yeah. and emotionally. Uh, running a snack bar at mm-hmm. the Mar- the Mortal Kombat tournament. You know, there's going to yeah. be all kinds of. 
customs and rules and sights and sounds and smells that I, that I be easy. Compl- yeah, that I'm unfamiliar with. I'm going to have a lot to absorb is to my a clash point. of personalities. Yeah. Yeah. I get for it. real. Like, and, okay. and what are the, even like at the tournaments, like what kind of customers are, am I dealing with? You know, are they assholes? All kinds. Are they I mean, nice? takes all kinds. Yeah. Do they, are, are we talking cash credit? Do I have a debit card machine? Is it possible for mm. one of those debit card machines to be hacked? And somebody's debit card. Yeah. You know, well, I'm running a snack bar, baby. I got to think about these. I'm going to go ahead and say that probably a lot of the people at the Mortal Kombat tournament do not use money. Like, you know, you might have like, oh, it's a tournament between like Earth Realm and Chaos Realm, and they only spend bones. Bones are their money. Um, Maybe it's free. Maybe it's a bread and circuses thing. You know, yeah. where it's, you know, the, this You're is like, the bread don't kill at me. the circus. I'm a guy who found out too much. I know about the Mortal Kombat tournament. <clears throat> don't kill me. I'm going to make nachos. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're not doing, the, I'm going to, I'm going to make you a promise right now. And this yeah. is, this is a guarantee. When I run my snack bar within the Mortal Kombat reality, mm-hmm. we're not going with the fake cheese, baby. We're, so we're I was having, about to ask you, no joke. We're doing straight up real shredded cheese on those nachos. Well, you know? are we doing cheddar? We're doing cheddar. We're doing a little bit of little Colby Jack on there. Maybe a, a sprinkling mm. of jalapeno jack, okay. um, some longhorn. We're we're gonna mix it up a little bit. It's gonna so be you know I don't want to give away all the, on, all the. So is it more like chewy cheese and it is like a sauce? Yeah, it's not a. It's sauce. not queso. It's, no, 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 not a queso, but but an actual. <clears throat> what we're gonna have is a, a line of machines. I'm imagining mm-hmm. twenty deep toaster ovens, right? Yeah, and I'm gonna have three three to four. All right, three to five guys manning this. Okay. I'm uh, I'm over here. I'm dealing with the public. These guys are just throwing one order after another of nachos into those toaster yep. ovens. But they're yep. going to come out hot. They're going to come out fresh. That's a real cheese that you can't, you know, see. you can't spill these nachos on a shirt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like we, okay. we don't want people going home from the tournament and they get home and their tunic has all kinds of fucking, you know, cheese sauce. Oh, of course not. <clears throat> and I will, I will run the tabs. Uh, okay, I can, I, I can do that. As a, as a former bartender, I know I can. You know, I'm pretty, pretty ruthless in that, in that regard. Um, Great. It's, it's. Um, well, it sounds like you fit right in. It sounds like you make it. It's going to be an adjustment, you know. But sure. uh, as long as I can kind of keep off the radar, I think I'll be okay. Well, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear you're going to make it. I'm happy to hear you're going to be okay in the world of Mortal Kombat as a nacho vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pretty much takes us to the end then, Scott. That That's all she wrote. So if if people... First off, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I know this, this is a long a time coming. Yes. People have been begging. People have been pleading. I've mm-hmm. gotten letters to my house saying, mm-hmm. when's Scott coming on? So I'm happy we were able to make it happen. I heard there was some, there was some skywriting in LA about there was there's this there's some skywriting uh over my house and I think they ran out of letters um because <laughs> it just said we want ska and I honestly right. didn't really put together what that was about until now right well that's yeah. that's understandable mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh but yeah. yeah this was an absolute delight uh I have I have no idea what just happened but I, I liked mm-hmm. having it happen to me and yeah. uh that's what we do know. here at mortalpodcast.com yes <laughs> uh well if people want more scott wampler in their lives which of course they will where can they find it um well you can follow me on twitter at at 
Scott Wampler BMD. That's all one word. Uh, I don't recommend it, but you are free to do so. I cannot stop you. Um, that stands but- for Ben Meckler's dude, right? <laughs> Holy shit. I was going with Big Monkey Donkey um, because okay. I like imagining a, a cross between a monkey and a donkey. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't change my handle without losing my verification status, which is obviously very touchy because then I would l- lose my quality, quality filter, which uh, yeah. separates me from the riffraff mm-hmm. and the, and the, and the um, you know, what have you. Uh, but um yeah, there and uh, also I am the co-host of the KingCast. That's uh, at KingCast19 uh, over on Twitter. Uh, mm. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash the KingCast. If you are That's the even podcast rem- where you guys talk about Hannibal King from Blade Trinity, right? That is a, a common uh, misconception. Uh, we oh. are working our way through various kings of... Uh, Got it. <clears throat> You know, yeah, we're we're a big royal family podcast, and understood. Unfortunately, um, we have not been able to stay on topic, and the thing turned into a Stephen King podcast somehow. Oh, that's kind so, of fun, though. It feels like a Jason. At least you didn't have to change the title. Yeah, there's you know there's a, a thread of royalty running through it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's me and a co-host, Eric Vespi, formerly of Ain't It Cool News. Uh, generally speaking, to uh, people like Ben and others uh other other famous folks and uh entertainers you you love uh about the work of Stephen King. That's it. It's a great show. I enjoy Thank it. You. As do many of you listening at home, as I already know. Well Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Audience, as always. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, finish him.